I like to preach a little bit about like dirty systems, like just get them dirty, get them out there, right? Um, really thinking about your your process as a product, you know, launch a new process like you would a product, right? Um, minimal viable process, get some feedback, improve it over time, you know, make it better, shiny it up, all that jazz. Um, perfection will kill your progress when it comes to building systems, especially because most of us who are initiating a new process don't know how it's going to play out. Helping you create loyal customers and loyal employees all through the power of simplicity. This is the Simple Brand Podcast, now heard around the world, including San Jose, California. I'm your host, Matt Lyles, and this week I'm talking with Juliana Marulanda. Juliana is the founder of Scale Time, where they help hundreds of agency owners and leaders get their lives back by developing systems to save time, add employees, and streamline their processes to create lean, mean, profitable machines. Juliana and I discuss her lessons to help you simplify your business and your team in a way that gives you real freedom to focus on the right work, that needle-moving work, so that you're able to do the work you want, how you want, whenever you want. That sounds like my kind of freedom. So here it is. Here's my interview with Juliana Marlanda. Hi, Juliana. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me, Matt. Well, I'm glad that you're here, um, especially, you know, we're out, we're still in the new year, you know, we're still in the first quarter. So I think a lot of people are still kind of focusing on what their goals are for the year and how they're going to manage through those goals. And I think a lot of times people are not going to be able to hit their goals if they don't have the right systems in place to do that. Absolutely. I agree. Except for those who consider systems part of their quarterly goals. I love those people. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's not me. I call those people nerds <laughs> or system geeks. How about that? Yes. So that's what you focus on. Like that's, that's what you talk about is the need for the value for creating systems. I think a lot of people have a hard time with creating systems. So why do you think so many leaders and teams have a hard time with creating and managing systems? My gut reaction is always because it's really boring. Um, right. It's yeah. like, it's not like the fun part of business, right? Um, and there's usually a lot of delayed gratification when you're doing systems, right? It's not like, Ooh, we're doing sales. We got money, money in the bank, right? Like, boom. Um, or, you know, we've created a better customer experience. So like we're getting positive reinforcement from the customers. Usually systems creation, most organizations um, is, is probably comparable to like an individual getting a root canal. Um, <laughs> right. It's, um, it's like, you know, it's, it's a painful. There's a lot of anxiety around it. You know, you don't know kind of what equipment's going to happen. So it's it's just one of these parts of business that because it doesn't have like the joy, uh, unless you're a total systems nerd like I am, right? Um, <laughs> if it doesn't spark joy, most people just 
don't want to do it, right? And and then it becomes this back burner issue that I often say burns the house down, right? So if you don't pay attention to it, unfortunately, um, and it just kind of like keeps getting pushed to the back burner, it's the stuff where you're like, oh my God, there's fires everywhere. You know, you're you're now like putting out smoke signals and it just becomes really hard to manage. Yeah. Well, so it sounds kind of like sounds kind of like insurance. It's not fun. It's maybe sometimes it's complicated. Uh, a lot of people think that it's boring, like it's not exciting. But when stuff happens, when when stuff hits the fan, you're glad that you've got it in place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the other thing that I will say about systems too, um, as any leader of an organization is like, if you have systems, right, it's comparable to things being less chaotic, right? Like, like it's like, oh, things are in order. Um, you have your quote unquote stuff together. And so your team will automatically see you as a better leader, right? Will automatically feel secure in the organization because the organization itself has their stuff together. Right. Like there is something to be said about team members who are having the benefit of existing systems. Now, we're not going to talk about, well, maybe we'll talk about later, like team members who are going through the process of creating systems. Right. But once the systems are created or established, right, and they're always going to be optimized, but at least there's a feeling like there's a plan in place, things are in order, people have their stuff together, and it creates an environment and a context. Of, of a powerful operation. Yeah. One of my favorite leaders that I worked for early in my career, one of the things that he bragged about about our team was that, you know, when he was there and even when he was not there, the team operated like a well-run, well-oiled machine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what you want. One of the things that you talk about is that there can actually be money left on the table without having proper systems and procedures in place. So I'm curious about that. Can you explain that to me? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so if you think about your business, right, um, from, you know, we have sales, then you onboard clients, then you have delivery, right? You have your team. And along each of these parts of your business, right? These these different engines of the business. Your systems can make a massive lift in ensuring, you know, quality and the fact that and profitability, right? And so and and we'll take a couple of examples just to make it a little bit more concrete, right? Um Perfect. well we'll do sales, right? If I, I would say like 80% of most sales are done in follow-up. Most Salespeople and owners and anyone who's doing hate follow up, right? <laughs> it's like not fun. Um, it's not the fun part, right? So if you have good systems that allow, um, you know, for reminders, a good, you know, CRM automation systems that can kind of take some of the thinking out of it, templates, documentation, right? Like if you can do things to aid and systems to aid in the follow up, the thing that people don't really want to do, it's so much easier to do. And so you take a mediocre salesperson or owner, right? And they can close 
because they have a good system, right? At least a higher percentage of the time that if you take a phenomenal salesperson um, who just doesn't put in the work, right? Like, like you can actually use your systems as as a stopgap for some of the deficits that we have in capabilities, right? Um, same thing with client management. If we have good communication systems with our clients, um, if the quality is there, you know, you can take someone, you know, or you can take clients and increase the lifetime value where you might have great people and the systems are kind of rocky and things are inconsistent. And now the experience is inconsistent and now you have more churn. Right. And so, like, this is how you start to see the leakages in profitability across the business in hiring. Um, so many people do such a great job of really wanting to hire great people, right? Like, like we have a desire to have a great culture, a great team, and this, this, and that. Um, but but a lot of leaders are too nice to actually fire underperformers. And there might not be systems in place to actually measure the performance. And so if we don't have systems in place to measure the performance. And, you know, and or you're not really firing a person because you're like, oh, my God, I need a body, anybody um, to just do the work, even though quality might be suffering. Now you're throwing away money. I think I understand this. So by having the systems in place, I mean, there's all kinds of benefits. One of those is, is that it helps. I mean, the, the end result can be a more engaged, happier culture because you've got the right systems in place that make sure that the right people stay in and the wrong people are not part of the team or that helps encourage the people that are doing the wrong things to make sure that they're, that, that they are doing the right things that makes everybody else happy. Absolutely. And I think that goes for both, um, your internal team and the culture, as well as the types of clients that you're dealing with, right? Because systems are really good at filtering, you know, for the great clients that you want to work with and the not so great clients that you don't want to work with. That's right. That makes a lot of sense. So it helps you better understand where to invest your resources, where to, where to invest your time and where to manage things to where you, you know, where, where you're able to easily say, Hey, based on the systems, based on everything we're measuring, we need to get rid of some of these clients so that we can better serve these clients. Absolutely. All right. So what, what happens? Like, like, what is it? What's that point where a business finally recognizes that they don't have the right systems in place. So I'll give you the techie answer and then I'll give you kind of like the, the, what we experience answer. Right. So, so the techie answer is, is usually there's a bottleneck in volume that you can't handle. Right. And so whether it's too many clients, you're like, Oh, can't handle that. Um, you know, you're experiencing a lot of churn and team members and you're like, Ooh, Lots of volume and churn, can't handle that. There could be volume in terms of like too many projects, retainers, engagements, right? Like deliverables and then quality starts to slip, right? So so we start to experience these constraints in the business. I would say what people, like the points, right? Like those trigger points where people, is humans are really good at suffering, right? Like 
very adaptable, I would say, right? Like, like human beings are just extremely adaptable and we can deal with a lot, especially in business for a long time, right? And so even though like people tend to have these constraints, it's it's kind of a couple of things that happen where they're like, oh man, like now I have to kind of like stop throwing these band-aid solutions at this. So um, a critical team member is about to leave. Mm. Right. That's usually a big one. Right. Where it's like um, an organization's number two or head of a department. Um, they're about to leave. And it's like, uh oh, um, we have no idea what they've been doing. They've been doing a great job or not. Who knows? Because there's always skeletons in the closet. Um, so what like what how do we measure? How do we manage? How do we even see what's happening? Because there's no systems in place. Right. And so like now we have to kind yeah. of put systems in place so that we don't go through this level of vulnerability or risk again. Another one is where um, you have an opportunity to get a sexier client or you want to go upstream and then you're like, oh, they're going to see through us, right? We've been winging it. We can't, you know, we're going to have to like, you know, take a hard look and actually make our processes better so that we can manage and and be competitive with these types of clients. So that's another big one. Other ones are if you're exiting or acquiring, um, you know, if if you want to leave, sell the business, if you want to acquire another business, if you're going to be acquired. So any situation like a mergers and acquisition for as tiny as it might be, um, usually is a, is a good trigger for people to say like, okay, I want to really fine tune the system so that we can get a higher valuation, better pricing, all that jazz. Those tend to be the big ones that happen, right? And then the other one is just your profitability just drops. You know, all of a sudden there's just no money to invest in other things. And so the the most affordable option is to actually work on your systems. Wow. Yeah. Well that 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 makes sense. Well then if you're if you see all these triggers, all these red flags, then what can you do? Like, like what can you do to actually assess the systems that you have in place or even that you may not have in place? We have a diagnostic. It's free. Um, it, you know, takes five to seven minutes. I've been doing this now for the last seven years and it's called a scale map. That's one of the easiest ways to do it that I know in the market. Um, it didn't exist, so I created it. <laughs> I was nice. like, I want a really simple way for people to be able to look at their operations. Um, the other, you know, thing beyond our diagnostic to be able to kind of look at the operational gaps is I would say going to your take a look at the organization saying, okay, where am I repeating myself over and over and over again? Um, if you're repeating yourself either verbally to your team, that usually means that there's training missing. If you're repeating yourself in written communication to your clients, that usually means that you need some level of like documentation and templates and things of that nature to just make things go faster. You know, where are there redundancies? Like if you have a sales team and everyone's creating their own deck, they're basically reinventing the wheel, right? So let's get that templatized. And then, and, and I'm really big when I say templatized. Sometimes people get a little like arky because um, they're like, oh, I don't want it to be too corporate or I don't want it to be too stocky or right? choose your adjective. And I'm really big on kind of like the 80-20 rule. Like 
there's stuff that you're going to say over and over and over again. So just of course. get that templatized and then leave 20% for that creativity, ingenuity, um, the parts that really create connection with people, whether that's your team or your clients, because now you have more time for that 20%, right? And you yeah. can make that 20% really stand out. So when we're creating templates for the business, just remember to leave room for that part that's really special and the magic that that makes you the organization that you are. So, um, and 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 with that template approach, when you look at it from the eighty twenty rule, it sounds like it's it's creating guardrails. You know, yes. here are here are the guardrails and the guidelines for you. Mm-hmm. And if you stay inside those guardrails then have at it. Do all the creative stuff you want. Feel free to be creative within those guardrails. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, with the understanding also that these guardrails, right, these templates, these processes, these workflows, they're going to evolve over time as yes. business evolves, right? So, so just having something in the organization to go back to these things um, twice a year, just to kind of, you know, proof check it and stuff like that so that they don't get, you know, so either A, they don't get abandoned, which often happens, um, or two, people just start doing their own thing and it becomes a little bit of Lord of the Flies and you you lose the guardrails (laughs) because they're no longer relevant. Yeah. Very cool. And with when when you check it twice a year, I think it's Mm -hmm. very likely that sometimes you're gonna see, hey, you know what? Since the last time we checked, there really is no change or there is, you know, there's a minor change, but it's good to capture those minor changes before you wait, you know, two, three years. And it's a huge list of minor changes or things that aren't even applicable anymore. And all the all the changes are just simply in somebody's head. Absolutely. Another good time to just, you know, check stuff is if you're hiring a new person on the team. Right. Um, you're like, okay, let's just make sure that all of the materials for this person make sense and are relevant. Oh, yeah. And you know, thinking through that 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 new hire mindset, it is very possible that with their new perspective on the business, they may have questions that no one's thought to even answer because they've been cursed with their own knowledge in their head. <laughs> And just assume that the documentation covered everything. But but these new hires may say, well, I have a question about this. Well, what if this happens? What if this happens? Well, oh, here's your answer. But let's make sure we put that in the documentation. Absolutely. It's a great time to optimize what you have when you have a fresh perspective. Okay. So now that we've assessed, we recognize the need for a system what do we need to do to actually create the systems? So there's there's five components to each system of your business, right? There's first creating somewhat of the process of it, the workflow, the flow chart. And that part is usually getting down the actionable steps to how things are done. And this piece might live as internal knowledge or you know, tribal knowledge in someone's head, right? Um, it could be the leader of an organization or a department. It could be someone who's almost been tasked as a subject matter expert in something particular. Uh, this also can be 
If you've outsourced, white-labeled, co-labeled, strategic partnered with someone that's helping you do something, it's good to have that information because this is usually the critical piece where if somebody leaves, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, how is that done? (laughs) Right? So getting that done, I often say to paper or pixel is really important. The second piece is using a communication tool where this information goes, right? And so for most organizations, it'd be a project management tool. If you're in sales or account management, it might be your CRM, right? So I'm not looking to basically attach 20 million tools to your tech stack, but like we want a place where things are trackable because you can't track a document. Right. Like you might have a wonderful process. It lives somewhere. It's written down, but you can't track it if you're working remotely, which most of us nowadays are. um, You can't go over and tap on someone's shoulder and say, like, hey, by the way, this is done. We're ready for edits. Right. So, yeah, here it is. Really? (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) So, we need a place to digitally hand things over and track them. Um, Right. So, so that's going to be really important. Usually a project management tool is, for lack of a better term, a great place to, to put most of our workflows. Then we want to make sure that we have the documents and assets to support this so we're not reinventing the wheel. These are your decks, your spreadsheets, your communication templates, uh, right? Like all this stuff that we just talked about in terms of that 80-20, let's get those templates and the things that we're using to support these processes so that people can easily find them um, and then they can replicate them and use them. And when you see where someone is having to create one of these, mm-hmm. if they create it and recreate it multiple times, mm-hmm. is that a good sign that you need a template? Yes. Yes. Okay. Like oftentimes if you're doing more, if you're doing something more than twice, you could probably turn it into a template, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and and this is the, the the fun thing, maybe not fun thing, right? This is usually where where someone's like, they're like, oh, but it only takes me two minutes, right? Or it only takes me three minutes to, to redo this. And I'm like, but let's compound those two minutes, right? If, if you're doing like two minutes a week, right? That's, that's the equivalent of almost two weeks a year. Right, yeah. So there's a compound effect to telling yourself it only takes me this much time to redo the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, so just recognizing like here's the true time cost in redoing that over and over. Yeah. And like if you have something that's pretty I would say pervasive in an organization, I'm going to go back to the sales deck because that's the one that like always kills me. Yeah. Um <laughs> right? And so, you know, like how many times like for every single proposal, for every single time you're doing a deck across a team and then multiply by that by the amount of team members that you have. That's a huge sunk cost. Yeah. And and then think of the think of the the opportunity cost mm-hmm. for those employees. You know, and are there employees that are saying, I wish I had more time to focus on this, or mm-hmm. I wish I had more time to, to focus on this. I wish I had more time to actually just sit and think. Well exactly. You can get that time if you do these things. 
Yeah. And like those higher level strategic tasks that you want your people to be doing, like you can give that to them. So that's like it on the documentation. Then there's training because you, you can have documents, you can have workflows, you can have supporting assets, but you, but now we actually have to make sure that people are performing at a high level, that the quality is at a high level, that the standards are at a high level, right? Because if, and, and we've all seen work product, right? Like someone hands you something and you're like, okay, this is what I told you to do, but it's not what I, at the level that I wanted you to do it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, or someone hands you a work product, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Everyone, can you please be like this, right? Um, and so, so that's why training is so important for new hires, um, and then also for reference materials for existing hires, and then materials for anyone who's filling in for somebody else, right? So someone goes on vacation, we're, they're like, oh man, I have to, you know, like now do Jackie's work for two weeks. How do I know how to exactly do what she's doing, right? So, so it, it acts as, um, really multiple use cases in an organization when you create training. And then the last pillar for creating a system is metrics. And I always say it's the last pillar because you can't measure what you don't have. So have to create the process <laughs> right. first, right? Um, and then start measuring so that we can, you know, streamline it, make it more simple, make it better, um, make it, you know, either like a branded if it's client facing, make it more more of a cultural fit. If it's internal facing, right, and and the measurement not only helps the processes, but also gives us an idea of how people are performing in these processes. Well, what are the types of things that that you should be measuring as it relates to the system itself, or how people are using the system? Yeah. So, let's say you're a marketing manager, and um, one of the things that you're responsible for are websites right and so one of the big things with websites is that they're constantly late (laughs) Um, and so you might want to be measuring the system that you have for creating you know and and we can talk about whether it's a a massive you know 500k website or if it's a landing page or whatnot right Right. um like what what are your on-time deliverables for a website how many reviews is your team going back and forth like internal reviews like do you have for x amount let's say for homepage or for a wireframe so we start to think through okay like what what's really important to you how are you going to start making decisions on this process and then how do we measure it okay okay and and it seems like just like taking a really deep dive in understanding everything that is working and everything that's not working along the way. Yeah. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about like different metrics and how they stack and this is that, but I think, you know, from a, from a simplistic standpoint, it's just, you know, figuring out what's working, what's not working, and then measuring those so that we can multiply the good and start eliminating the bad. There you go. And that's what it's about is multiplying the good, eliminating the bad. Yeah. All right. So, once you've got the system in place, how do you ensure that your people actually follow the system? So you brainwash it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's part of it. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think a huge part of this is um, there's there's two components to to I think a system adoption, right? Okay. One is buy-in. If you don't get buy-in, no one's going to use it, or people are going to use it inconsistently. It's gonna you know it's a whole thing. So really, you know, taking the time and and sometimes it feels inefficient, but it actually is going to pay off in the long run. Um, sitting down with your team and asking them, you know, what the process is, you know, whether it exists on paper or not. Um, what do they like about it? What do they not like about it? You know, what's working? What's not working? What would they like to see? Right. Like just really getting buy in from the team before you start to force feed them a process um and <laughs> beforehand <laughs> beforehand um even if you've thought about it right like just take the step of getting the buy because it's going to be critical um to you know then making a date to say okay like we're launching this right and either you're going to do a, like a soft launch of a system um or you might do a hard launch you might like piecemeal a system rollout um like there's different ways to skin that cat depending on your team and what the exact process is but you know just really getting engagement in the process for adoption is gonna be huge the other big thing that i always try to train all of my clients on is that before there's a process we build habit. Habit before process. Oh, explain that. Yeah. So when you're asking people to do a process, right? It's it's a bunch of different behaviors on a decision tree, right? And okay. so you're effectively asking people to change their behavior. And the behavior could be as simple as, I need you to press the button in the project management tool. <laughs> Right. Like I need you to like status button, right? Like yeah, you're working on it. You're not working. But um pressing the button becomes like um a whole thing, right? They're like, oh well, you know, I didn't have to press the button before. Now I have to like, you know, have the project management thing up. Um now, you know, like it's causing more work to track my work than to do my work. There, there's a whole slew of resistance that happens. Um, because effectively you're asking people to change their behavior. And, you know, for any sort of like productivity nerds, we know that it takes anywhere between 28 to 45 days to change a habit, right? Um, or build a new habit. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes right? longer, depending on the habit. Exactly. And especially because, you know, you're going to screw up somewhere in between, yada, 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 you're going to restart, right? There's <laughs> stops and starts. And so as managers of this adoption, um, you know, knowing that it's going to take some time, and almost like babysitting the habit change for a little bit, making sure that there is um, notifications, that people are reminded of the habit change, that there's positive reinforcement for those who are doing it, that, you know, there's private nudges for those who are not. And really making sure that you make the adoption piece a priority. Because if we don't get, you know, 90 to 100 percent participation then you have some people using it and some people not and it doesn't work it doesn't work if you don't get engagement in the new process or system so that's a crucial part of creating a system wow you know and then thinking through that and thinking through a lot of the times in my career where i either had to be the one leading the change mm -hmm. or be the one that was you know part of the change and having to be nudged to change habits 
you know, a lot of times as leaders, we like to reward our people on results. And it's it's great for rewarding on results. But I like how you talked about giving positive reinforcement. And I think there's that opportunity for rewarding people for simply just uh, adopting the new habits and for doing the habits. I mean, it seems like a minor task, but if you really want that that true habit change across everybody. And to me, it makes sense to reward them for simply doing the new habit. Absolutely. Because that habit is going to like, is creating your process, right? Like that's, that's yeah. the end result. Right. And then you can talk about performance of the process, but like you, you can't really get to performance and measuring if you don't have a baseline. I had a client who would gamify the whole thing. She had like no systems. She she came to us. Well, not such. She had like a few systems. And we talked about like gamification. And she had a bunch of really young staff and and they were great and they were phenomenal. But it was like, you know, she had a college, zero systems, and and we were building it from scratch. So every week she would raffle off like a new gift certificate. So whether it was like Starbucks or Amazon or whatnot, right? And they would get better and better as the weeks went on. Um, for the adoption, right? And so she would do like a six week adoption thing for every new system that she put in place and she would just gamify it. And like, it made it fun. Um, she had total buy-in. People had bragging rights. She turned something that was, could be very painful. Um, especially for people who hadn't had any sort of, you know, systems background at all. And, and she created a culture of performance and fun. Wow. Novel concept. Making Novel concept. <laughs> no, that that's great, and 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 I think it's a great case study for a number of leaders to recognize. You know that you you should really think about rewarding your people for simply adopting the new change you're trying to lead. Yeah, especially because you know change is is really hard for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So when it comes to creating and instilling a new system, what are some of the mistakes that we should watch out for? Perfection. So okay. <laughs> I, I like to preach a little bit about like dirty systems, like just get them dirty, get them out there. Right. Um, really thinking about your, your process as a product, you know, launch a new process like you would a product, right? Um, Minimal viable process, get some feedback, improve it over time, you know, make it better, shiny it up, all that jazz. Um, perfection will kill your progress when it comes to building systems, especially because most of us who are initiating a new process don't know how it's going to play out. <laughs> but like yeah. with the team, like it could be a great process for ourselves or in a previous organization. But if you're doing something new in an organization, um, you have to figure out like, how's it going to work for the team? How's it going to work for the clients, you know, or different stakeholders? So, so I think being iterative is really important when you're creating processes and systems. Um, I think that's a big one. The other, I think, missteps is trying to create too many things at the same time. Right. Huh. So, um, it's, it's, like, you know, it's like pick one or two, you know, get that going, um, make it dirty. Then you can move on to the next thing. Right. Like give it life, have somebody else, you know, optimize it, move on to the next thing. I think another one is for 
leaders of organizations to spend too much time on the nitty-gritty forks of process creation. And what do I mean by this? Um, yeah. It's just really unprofitable, right? So, for example, let's say you're deploying a new project management system, right? I think as a leader, definitely like choosing it, figuring out like how you want it set up, maybe even thinking through, okay, a workflow or a template, Um you know, thinking through maybe dashboards, that's great. But for you to go in there and do every single dashboard or every single workflow once you've set up the template is not a good use of your time, right? Like give that to someone more junior or even outsource it. So I think like those, big, you know, those three are are just crucial points where people get stuck. Gotcha. Well, and I think that all three of those Speak to the fact that your systems, your processes should evolve over time. They should Absolutely. evolve as everything else evolves and as you learn you know, different things. And so with that in mind, you don't have to have it perfect. You don't have to have every tiny detail done and, and created. It's going to evolve. So go ahead and just get it out there and get it started. Mm -hmm. Yes, Absolutely. And then maybe that even gives a greater opportunity for buy-in from your people because you know that you can get feedback from your people as to where the process does need to evolve. And then you can take that feedback, put it into improving the, the, the process, and then show them that you use their feedback. Absolutely. And, and that also gives opportunities for people on the team to start owning different processes, right? Um, yeah. Right. And and there's a beautiful byproduct of when team members start to own processes, it it starts to solidify them as as leaders in an organization because people will come to them as like the person that knows how the thing works. <laughs> so um and so it it just really allows leaders to create other leaders as well. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So like so much value, so many opportunities just from taking the time to get in and create the right systems. Absolutely. Well, Juliana, last question for you. If you were to create a five song soundtrack for scale time, what songs would you include? Okay. So I usually will break up my song list. Um, and this is for my clients. So there's Songs that are like celebration songs, like, hey, you nailed it, you got it. Yeah. And then songs that like when you're in the grind, right? You're like, ah. So um, I would say for when you're in the grind, a more kind of like a, if a song was a vision board, um, <laughs> so I would say uh, Billionaire with Bruno Mars. Okay, um, nice. And then also Work by Britney Spears, because if you want that, yeah. you know, Bugatti, um, <laughs> you got to. Yeah. Um, then if you've, if you've like, you know, done a really good job um, for celebrations, I like Level Up by Ciara. And yeah. We Are the Champions by Queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and just from like a, you know, I, I can't help myself because I do operations. Um, Order of Operations by Big Boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. There you go. Very cool. Well, all, all that speaks to the fact that, yes, 
you got to put in the work. <laughs> You've got to put in the work to create it. But the rewards in the end are so great when you do. Absolutely. Well, Juliana, I have learned so much from talking with you today, but where can people go to learn more? Yeah, I would say I know how difficult it is as leaders of organizations to try to build systems, create them, get your team to follow. <laughs> um, you know, but it actually doesn't have to be that hard. It can be very simple. Um, so I've created some resources that, you know, people can go to if they want to start to affect change in their organization. Um, one of the things, the easiest things is joining the newsletter. Uh, you'll get about three months once you join of quick actions that will make a big operational impact. Um, and you can find that at scaletime.co forward slash podcast forward slash simple. Um, that'll be there. And I've also got the five minute diagnostic. You asked like, oh, okay, well, yep. if you're not exactly sure, like what's going on or where are the leaks, where are the bottlenecks, um, that diagnostic uncovers 50 operational gaps in wow. five minutes. Um, and then we send you fancy results within like 24 hours. So you have a heat map of your entire operations. It's completely free and that will be on the page. And if anything resonated with anybody, you know, and you just kind of want to hop on a call, talk about your goals and strategize your operations, that information will be there as well. And you can book a time with us. And that's scaletime.co forward slash podcast forward slash simple. Love that. Yeah. Thank you for creating something specialized just for us. I mean, you know, I think that your audience deserves it. <laughs> They absolutely do. And you know what else? I do too. I, I, I need that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to go take the diagnostics. I'm going to sign up for that newsletter because I need those tips too. Oh, how wonderful. I'd love to have you in our newsletter. <laughs> Great. Well, Juliana, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time today. Oh, uh, thank you for having me here, Matt. I am so honored to be able to be here and, you know, get to spend some time with your audience. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Juliana Marolanda. So go and learn more from her at scaletime.co slash podcast slash simple. Hey, that's a page Juliana created just for you. You'll get access to lots of resources, toolkits, and an assessment to help you learn how to simplify all the processes in your team. And you'll be able to sign up for a free discovery call with Juliana's team where they'll help you learn the best places in your business to start simplifying. And if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. It's going to make it so much simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Jeff Toyster. Jeff's a best-selling author, a consultant, and a trainer who helps organizations develop customer-focused cultures. He's been recognized as one of the top 30 customer service professionals in the world by Global Gurus, and more than 1 million people have taken his training courses on LinkedIn Learning. So you know he knows a thing or two about customer experience. Now, if you've been listening to the Simple Brand Podcast for a while, then you know that the best way for your brand to stand out is through the experience you deliver. But what if you could guarantee your customers an amazing experience and then deliver on that promise every single time? The guaranteed customer experience turns the concept of a guarantee on its head. An experience guarantee 
goes beyond merely providing a warranty against any product defects or failures. It actually encompasses the entire customer journey to promise an experience that never falls short of expectations. So Jeff and I discuss his lessons around a guaranteed customer experience to help you do just that. And not just with your customer-facing teams, but with every single team across your organization. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Jeff's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple.